Well, this is our uh, 11th message in our series from these early chapters in Proverbs. We are examining Solomon's instructions to his children. He usually addresses his son, uh, and he gives them these lectures, we might call them. I've kind of hesitated to call them lectures because of the way the word is often used today. you know, if somebody lectured you, they think they were kind of chewing on you in some way, and so that's the way we often use that term. So I've hesitated to call them Solomon's lectures. We're just going to call them his teaching sessions. As he diligently labors to disciple his children. He's not chewing on anybody. He's not scolding them for anything. He's simply trying to disciple his children. Last week we shared with you the principle of the path that you can never reach the right destination when you're on the wrong path. You will never reach the right destination when you're going the wrong direction. And that's what Solomon has been instructing his children about. How can we walk the right path? How can we walk God's path? How can we walk the path of holiness, the path that pleases God, the path of wisdom? As Solomon said in chapter 1 that we looked at a number of weeks ago, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then into chapter 9 he said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Solomon is striving to create habits of holiness in his children so that they will walk the Lord's path throughout their lives. And it'll be in chapter 4 again today. This week we're going to examine uh, this next lecture, this next teaching session in which Solomon challenges his son to protect his heart. And that's how we're going to title our thoughts, to protect your heart. Do you want to live to please the Lord and experience His blessings for decades? Then protect your heart. Do you want to avoid foolish pitfalls and tragic traps? Then protect your heart. Do you want to stay on the right path long term? Then protect your heart. That's the only way that that will work. So Proverbs chapter 4, we're going to read verse 20 up to verse 27. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. You know, back in 1995, NASA had a space probe that they named Galileo. And that space probe parachuted actually into the atmosphere of Jupiter, the planet Jupiter. An article in USA Today a number of years ago said that the, that the, that the, the mission of this space probe, Galileo, was to send data via radio back to Earth on the nature of what Jupiter was actually like. They knew it was a mass of gases, and uh, through telescopes, astronomers have for a long time, for hundreds of years, actually seen tremendous storms on the surface of Jupiter. They claim that the winds of these storms have been blowing at some 400 miles an hour, in some cases for hundreds of years. 
scientists were kind of wondering, was, was sunlight driving the storms as happens on Earth, or was there some sort of reaction going on within the gases of the planet as happens in the stars? And the space probe Galileo found the answer to that question. It discovered that at the tops of the clouds, uh, the, the temperature there around Jupiter was minus 171 degrees. But down close to the core of the planet, it is a sizzling 305 degrees. And, and that, that super hot core of the planet was the source of all of those storms that just seemed to last. They, they literally lasted for hundreds of years. We've had telescopes for about 400 years, and they keep getting better and better and better and better. And there have been astronomers who've been watching the storms on, on Jupiter that have been literally going on for several hundred years. Those storm winds actually are swirling even deep down in the gases of the planet. A fellow from the California Institute of Technology said, The winds we see at the cloud tops are just the tip of the iceberg. Jupiter's whole fluid interior is in motion just as rapidly as the winds on the surface. And he said, that's why you can have a 300-year-old storm and a jet stream that lasts for hundreds of years. He said, you got so much inertia behind it, it's like a giant flywheel just spinning forever. So their thought was, it is the core of Jupiter that is the engine of the planet, that is driving all of those incredible storms on the surface. The thought being, that's the way it is with people. The core of what we are down inside is what's driving what happens to us on the outside. The only way to really change a person is to change the heart. It is the core of our being that drives our attitudes and our words and our decisions and our choices. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I must remind you again that in the Bible, the heart is not the center of your emotions. That is a concept developed from the ancient Greeks and Romans that we have inherited and expanded on over the centuries. And then, of course, beginning in the 1900s, the greeting card industry has capitalized on that to the tune of billions of dollars. But in the Bible, the heart is not the center of your emotions. It is the center of your thinking. The heart is a term used to describe the inner man. Your thoughts, your reasonings, your decisions, as well as your feelings. And it's not that you don't have emotions or that the Bible ignores them. It, it, it is that you, your emotions are not the drivers of who you are. It is your thinking that determines what you are and who you are. What do you think of when you think about God? What is your mental conception of who God is? What do you believe He is like? How do you view yourself? What issues do you care deeply about? What are your values, the things that are important to you? What do you think you deserve from life and from God and from others? What do you want from life and from God and from other people? How do you evaluate other people? What are the measurements you use to evaluate other people? You see, all of those questions flow from your inner man. And that is what drives who you are. In fact, that's what drives your emotions, your view of God, your view of yourself, your perspective on other people. 
Your emotions are simply the expression of what is going on in your inner man. They don't drive your thought life. They are the result of your thought life. And I've preached to you many, many times. You can't change your life until you change your choices. You've heard me say it a hundred times at least. And be sure to add the second half of that principle. You won't change your choices until you change your thinking. You can't change your life until you change your choices, and you won't change your choices until you change your thinking, until you change what's going on in your heart, in your, in your inner man. Let me show you briefly the teachings, two teachings of Jesus himself in the Gospels that illustrate what we're speaking about and what Solomon is teaching his son. The first one is in Matthew chapter 7. We'll be back here to Proverbs 4 in just a moment as we wind up with our thoughts here. But I want you to look at these two verses, these two passages. Matthew chapter 7 is the first one. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. It's verse 15 to verse 20. We're going to read just a short section there. This is basically a warning about false prophets, but there's an interesting, there's an interesting uh, parallel to what we're driving at here from this text in Proverbs 4 this morning. Matthew 7, verse 15 is where we start to read. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Now, as I said, this obviously is a warning about false prophets, but the principle that Jesus is driving at is that it is the inner man that drives what we are. Outwardly, see, these false prophets look like sheep, but Jesus says, in their inner man, down inside, they're wolves. They might look like sheep on the outside, but their inner man, in their inner man, they're wolves. And he said, you'll recognize them by what they produce, the fruit of their lives. Very important principle for our life is that our root determines our fruit. You will never change the fruit of your life, the, 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 what's being happening in your life. You'll never change the fruit of your life until you change the root. And you know what? So much of what people try to change in their lives is just the fruit. It's just the outward stuff. It isn't really heart change. They have problems. They try to be different. And say, I'm just going to qu- try to quit doing this. I'm going to try to start doing this. They're just trying to change the outward things. They're not really heart change. They're really, not really looking for that. And, and it, isn't, it isn't going to change our inner man just to change the outside. These false prophets Jesus is talking about, they didn't cease being wolves just because they put on sheep's clothing. Jesus said they're still wolves inside because their, their root determines their fruit. And the only way to change the outside is to change the inner man, to readjust our values, our priorities, our desires, our cravings, to, 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 uh, to realign our view of who God is, line it up with the Word of God, and our relationship with Him. All issues of thinking, inner man stuff. And then there's another interesting, just a few pages away, chapter 15. Of Matthew, just turn a few pages over to chapter 15 of Matthew. 
Jesus was having one of his numerous battles with the Pharisees. And they came to him in chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, and they said the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now they did not mean that they didn't wash the dirt off. They were talking about the word there in the Greek text, to wash their hands indicates a ceremonial washing. There was some, there was some uh, uh, ceremony added many centuries after the law of Moses, uh, where, where any person who was going to be holy, they had to go through this ceremonial hand washing before they ate a certain meal. And so the scribes and Pharisees come to Jesus and say, well, your disciples, they don't, they don't keep the tradition of the elders, although it wasn't in the law of Moses. It's just something man-made that they sort of made up a little bit later. They don't wash their hands ceremonially before they eat bread. How can they be righteous? Look what Jesus says to them in verse 7. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See, they had all the outside stuff cleaned up, but their heart was far from him. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, I always have to chuckle at some of these statements, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? I thought, yeah, I, I bet they were. <laughs> but Jesus answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. You've heard this phrase before. If the blind leads the blind, both fall into the ditch. Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, are you still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies, these are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Jesus is saying a person does not become sinful or defiled because they do not perform a man-made ceremony. He says we are defiled, we are made sinful because of what comes out of our hearts, out of our inner man. It is the sinfulness of our inner man that, that corrupts us and not our failure to, to perform man-made religious ceremonies which don't change the heart anyway. So back in Proverbs chapter 4, when Solomon says to his son, verse 23 is kind of the key verse, I think, in this passage. When he says to his son in verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. And for you Bible underliners and Bible highlighters, here's, here's another one for you. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. When Solomon says to his son, My son, be diligent to protect your heart. That's what he means, to keep, to guard, to protect. He says, be diligent to protect your heart, my son, because out of the inner man springs all the issues of life. When he says that to him, he's not telling him to guard his emotions. He's telling him to protect his inner man. The word picture there is of a spring that flows out to the outer borders of the kingdom. 
And Solomon is saying that what is happening in our inner man has far-reaching effects in every area of our lives. It will affect every word, every attitude, every emotion, every relationship, every choice, every decision. All of the issues of life flow out of the inner man. So Solomon says, you protect your inner man with all diligence. Work at it. Make it a priority. And let me share with you from this passage three, three principles regarding protecting your heart. Three principles for protecting your heart. The first one is this. It is a duty. It is a duty. If you were to go through every verse in our text and highlight every verb in every verse and then look them all up in a good Bible study program, which I actually did this week, you would find that every single verb in this passage is in the form of a command. They are either in the imperative mood or the construct of the Hebrew verb is such that it is intended as a command. Let me just breeze through it with you. Look at verse 20. These verbs. Give attention. Incline your ear. Verse 21. Do not let them depart. Keep them. Verse 23. Keep your heart. Verse 24. Put away and put perverse lips far from you. Verse 25. Let your eyes look. And your eyelids look right before you. Verse 26, ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. 27, do not turn and remove your foot from evil. Every single one of those verbs is a command. It is, it is our, our duty. For we who say that we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we, we are commanded to protect our hearts. It is our duty as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, why? why? Why did he give us all these command after command after command, all, all rotating around that thought of protecting your heart? Well, simply put, if we are not practicing what we preach, then our testimony is very weak and very anemic. Why would anyone listen to us? Why should Solomon's son listen to him? Remember verse 11 from last week's text? It's right there in your passage where, where Solomon said, I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. Solomon, at this point in his life, he was practicing what he was preaching to his son. He said, I, I have taught you in the way of wisdom, my son. I have led you in the right path. Remember the word path in verse 11 is like a trail with ruts, like, like a wagon trail. Habits of holiness. A path that is so often used that it is worn ruts into the ground. It's a clear path to follow. And it is our duty before the Lord, if we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, to diligently protect our hearts so that our evangelism and our discipling will be credible, will be believable. Why should anybody listen to us if we aren't practicing what we preach? If we're telling people, oh, you need to live for God, and then we aren't. Oh, you need to try and do the right thing before the Lord, and then we aren't. Why should they pay any attention to it? So, so it is certainly a duty as all of these commands kind of drive home to us. But the second thing that's very, very interesting in this passage uh, that, I, that I see is that it is difficult. Notice in our list of commands, you, you saw the mention of the ears and the eyes and the mouth and the feet. 
Incline your ears. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. Put away from you perverse lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Remove your foot from evil. All these challenges of the ears, the eyes, the mouth, the feet. All these challenges remind us of the difficulty of protecting our inner man. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you watch. Be careful where you let your eyes wander. Watch your words. Jesus said, out of the overflow of your heart, your, your mouth speaks. In other words, what bubbles up from your inner man is what comes out your mouth. So he says, be careful. Be careful where you go. As I was typing this up, as soon as I typed that phrase, be careful where you go, that little kid's song popped into my brain that never underestimate those songs you hammer into kids when they're six years old. I mean... Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. How many of you sung that? A bunch of you did, all right. Yeah. And then you had all those others. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. We've added a bunch of others. Oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. And, and, and on and on you could go. Why, why do we do that? Because it, it is hard to protect your heart. Do, do you realize how hard it is for us to stay focused on the things of God? I mean, it is tough. We often speak of having three enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Preachers have been preaching that for hundreds and hundreds of years. We see it all through the New Testament. We have these three major enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Oh, we are sinners living in a sin-cursed world. So we are surrounded by sinfulness, and we look at sinfulness in the mirror every day. We, we, you know, we like to blame the devil for our problems, and he certainly is a factor, no doubt about that. But the book of James tells us that when we sin, it is because we are drawn away by our own desires and enticed. That's in James chapter 1. When we sin, James says, it is because we are drawn away by our own desires and enticed. You see, Satan's temptations work because we want what he's offering. That's why his temptations work, because we want what he's offering. You know who my biggest enemy is? Me. My biggest enemy is me. So, so when Solomon says, keep your heart with all diligence, he is reminding us that it is not easy. It is difficult to protect your heart. The world, the flesh, and the devil, they are coming at you every single day. The old-time hymn writer Robert Robinson Gave us that great song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Been around a couple hundred years. He wrote, he wrote the poem in the, in the middle, the middle 1700s. And, and I, I love the verse where he says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter, which is a chain, the, the, the chain that clamps to you. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. And in these lines, I often quote to myself, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Boy, isn't that the story of our lives? I mean, how many times, I could list people, you know people, maybe you've struggled with yourself. It is so easy to drift. 
to just kind of let the fire go out. And, and the fire of our soul just kind of burns low, our fire for God. And the world, the flesh, and the devil are coming at us all the time, and we, we are just prone to wander. And I thought it was interesting. I discovered this week as I was looking at some things in the song, Robert Robinson wrote those words when he was 22 years old. He wasn't some old guy like me who had been fighting sin for 50 years, fighting sin in his own heart for 50 years. He wrote this when he was 22. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And I love this thought of, you know, oh, how to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. What he means is he says, Lord, I owe you so much, Lord, to let, then let your goodness chain me to your grace. Because I am prone to wander, Lord, I can feel it. I am prone to leave the God I love. See, guarding my heart is difficult because my biggest enemy is me. I can try to hide from the world, but I can't hide from me. I'm, I, I am with me everywhere I go. I, I am prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. So not only is protecting our heart a, a commanded duty from God, it, it is difficult. But then the joy of it all, and our third thought is this, it will become a delight. Protecting your heart is a duty for everyone who names the names of Christ, everyone who says they know the Lord Jesus. It is quite a challenge, it's very difficult, but if we keep at it with all diligence, it will become a delight. Look at these first verses again, verse 20 up to 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. You know, there are a couple of beautiful word pictures there in verse 22. The word life implies nourishment and joyfulness and abundance. It's like, it's like having a great meal with family. You're full, you laugh, you've enjoyed the evening, you feel blessed and encouraged and refreshed and nourished. It's life. It's great. And the Hebrew word translated health indicates healing and restoration and being cured and finding the right remedy that cures the problem. It's kind of a cool word. It's not just, I'm feeling good and I'm, I kind of have, I kind of live a long life and I don't get sick. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being, being healed from a problem, being restored, being physically restored, finding the right remedy that cures the problem. He said it will be health to you. It will be life to you. In other words, if you listen to the words of Solomon and you seek the Lord's wisdom and you protect your inner man, you will be nourished and blessed and refreshed and restored. Guarding your heart, protecting your inner man will bring healing to your soul. You know, growing up in the deep south, I spent a lot of time outdoors, both playing and working in my younger years. And now in my aging years, I am seeing the recurring effects of sun damage on my skin. I have now memorized the road to the dermatologist. But you know what? The, the remedy for sun damage on my skin is not nearly as important as the remedy for soul damage from sin. You want healing 
from the effects of sin. That's what Solomon's driving at here. You want healing from the effects of sin? He says there'll be life to those who find it. There'll be health to your flesh if you will do what Solomon says. If you will guard your heart with all diligence. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness. Bow in submission before Him. Obey His word. Protect your heart. It is our duty. It is difficult. But if we keep at it with all diligence, it will become a delight. It will be refreshing and blessed healing from the sin damage in our souls. May God help us to protect our hearts. Let's pray. Lord, what a battle it is for us, surrounded by the world, fighting our own flesh, being tempted by the devil. Lord, it's quite, it's quite a war inside, quite an internal battle to protect our hearts. Yet we know, Lord, if we are going to be faithful to you long term, we absolutely have to protect our hearts. If we're going to be used of God decade after decade, even year after year after year, Lord, we are going to have to protect our hearts. Guard the things we see and guard the things we we hear and guard the things we say and guard the places we go and, and protect what goes into our hearts and guard what comes flowing out of our hearts. Lord, we want to be restored and cleansed and strengthened and helped. And I pray, Father, that that you will help us to protect our inner man. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.